Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, Microsoft and the world in between. Let's get started first with um, SAP. There I have one news topic for you and that's the DSAG investment report. So the German-speaking user group of SAP um, usually brings out a report at the beginning of the year where it um, did a survey um, with the members of DSAG around the investment within the IT departments of the members. So where do they have their, their center of gravity? Where do they de-invest? And usually also um, having some questions around hot topics um, that are currently important for SAP. Like in this edition of 2022, Rise with SAP. And um, I have referenced the um, press note, the press release around uh, that investment report. There are also some insights with respect how the, the budget is spent. So there is an increase in budget over the last years. And it also shows um, where it is put at. So is it still business suite? Is it S4? What type of S4? Is it um, different cloud solutions by SAP like SuccessFactors or something like that? which obviously seems to have quite some um, attraction. And then um, what's also interesting is the topic of rise with SAP and how familiar the um, members of the German-speaking SAP user group are with a rise with SAP. And that's really um, not cool. So they um, the survey was done with DSAG and with ASAC, so also with the American-speaking user group. And the, the majority of the members has heard of RISE with SAP, but are not really familiar with it. Um, and that's really the big, big majority. And there are also some that have never heard of RISE with SAP. So quite um, some work to do for SAP, I would say, on that topic. With that, yeah, I'm already through with news from the world of SAP. So um, perhaps one, one side remark, there was the, the Kima um, update that happened last weekend. So now basically every uh, Kima runtime should now be on the open source release 2.0.4 uh, or 5 or something like that. But um, nothing new there. Um, I, I had all the blog post reference before. Then let's switch to Microsoft. And uh, of course, first thing serverless. And there I would like to highlight the you know, weekly uh, video series of uh, Charade the Great. Um, around serverless, and this time with uh, Stacy Cashmore as guest talking about how to migrate to serverless. So what is the decision-making process? How do you prepare your management, your organization for that? How do you uh, educate the team in order to have a really smooth transition to um, that area? Again, cool video, check it out, and I would say subscribe to uh, Schrader Gray. Then um, some announcements around Azure Functions and um, in general Azure Apps. There are some deprecation notes. So the support for Microsoft.NET Core 3.1 will end at the 3rd of December this year. So that's not too far away. So if you are running um, Azure Functions with uh, .NET Core 3.1, then um, make sure that until that point in time you have migrated them over. To .NET 6, 
which also means that you have to upgrade the runtime version from 3.x to 4.x. Now, um, the same is true for um, functions or in general um, apps that are running on Node 14. Node 14 um, is one of the long-term support releases, but the community support will end next year at the 30th of April, which means there's a bit more time than for the .NET functions, but um, nevertheless, make sure to upgrade ahead of time. Currently, the next um, LTS release is Node 16. And well, as usual, there are um, some informations in those deprecation blog posts, but I think the, the path forward is quite clear. With that, um, let's switch over to the container world, first starting with the, let's say, serverless containers, namely Azure Container Apps. And there are two cool blog posts that um, passed, uh, um, crossed my path this week. One by Jason Haley on how to roll back container app revisions using the Azure CLI. So that's quite, I think, quite important um, if you're using container apps and you, you make use of revisions. You might want to to um, or you might have an issue with one re revision and want to roll back to the previous one, and this blog post guides you through. There is also a previous one on how to do that with the portal UI. This one focuses on the CLI, um, giving you some different um, aspects on how to do that with respect to how to quickly uh, change traffic to go back to the the old revision or to um, uh, get the uh, uh, traffic to the old revision and instantaneously deactivate the new vision and so on. So that's, I think, um, super useful blog post around the topic of Azure Container Apps. And there is also another one by uh, Thorsten Hans about custom health probes. So if you are working with Kubernetes, you probably know um, that you have the option to have custom health probes for um, your... your um, nodes or for your pods, which uh, show if the, the pod is still alive, if the pod is ready, and um, also there is a startup probe, which makes perfect sense. And that's something that you can do within Kubernetes to do that um, on a, on a, uh, with custom probes. And you can do the same for Azure Container Apps. So there is the option to do that and to specify the, um, um, the probes with respect um, to your YAML file. So um, that's that's quite cool. And this blog post guides you through on how to do that. And now switching over to real um, containers, real Kubernetes, so to say, um, there is one talk that I would like to highlight by Nico Meisenzahl that was um, uh, held at the Azure Meetup Zurich and was thankfully streamed about the Azure Kubernetes service, um, giving you some insights about the, let's say, the highlights of the Azure Kubernetes service and also what you have to consider when you use it. So a super useful uh, talk by Nico. And if you watch the, the video, there is a whole series out there for, um, for AKS at the Azure Zurich meetup. So, so there have been, I think that was the fourth or the fifth one. And there have been previous ones and there are more to come. 
So definitely uh, worth uh, subscribing and checking out those videos because they are really, really uh, useful. Then um, going on with the deprecation notice. So that's kind of the motto of this week. So it seems um, this time Azure Container Monitoring. This is now really uh, even later than the ones that I mentioned before for the Azure Functions. Um, Azure Container Monitoring will be retired on in March 2025. So there are three years ahead, but there is probably more to do for you in order to transition to the successor, namely Azure Monitor Container Insights, which is the, the successor. And the Azure Container Monitoring Service will be completely retired at that point in time. The, um, the update note that I have referenced within the show note gives you some more information and also some more um, links with respect to um, further information on that topic. Then um, from the broader Kubernetes ecosystem, there I have three news around Dapper. First of all, a blog post by Jeff Holan around um, more or less point of view on Dapper and how he perceives Dapper. And I think that's quite fitting. Um, the blog post is titled Dapper is like jQuery for microservices. So this is kind of a new evolution step for, for microservices if you model or combine them or, or make use of Dapper in order to implement your microservices. And this blog post gives you a bit of an insight on um, why this is the case and why this comparison is, is quite fitting. It's a really uh, interesting blog post. Then um, one update notice from Dapper with respect to the documentation. There has been some updates around the quick starts. So the quick starts have um, been revamped and they now really focus on individual building blocks in different languages. So that's now the quick starts and the former quick starts have been moved to tutorials. Having said that, um, this was also mentioned in this week's Dapper community call that took place, but that was not the only thing that was mentioned there. There was also one interesting contribution around how open functions make use of um, Dapper and of, of Kida, but focus of course was, was Dapper within this community call and how it makes life even easier for um, people using open functions in conjunction with Dapper. With that, let's switch over to DevOps. Um, first of all, um, one announcement from HashiCorp with respect to Terraform for Azure. The Azure RM Resource Manager 3.0 brings now, first of all, enhanced support for Azure Functions, um, but also a lot of other um, news that, that come with this new release. So all of them are uh, listed within the blog post that I've referenced um, within the show notes and, and even more. So there are deeper links in there. Um, what you have to think about is that Terraform kind of abstracts away the, the ARM templates or the, the ARM API that um, Azure exposes and puts on an own layer, um, which is in the best sense handcrafted. So uh, whenever there are changes underneath with, within Azure, Terraform really has to do something. And this new release now really um, brings a lot of great features that now support the latest and greatest within um, Azure 
and the setup of resources there. Then um, GitHub. Let's switch to GitHub with the area of DevOps. First thing first, if you have been using GitHub uh, for the last few weeks in March, you didn't have um, not always fun um, because there have been a lot of service disruptions this month. And the blog post that I've referenced um, within the show notes gives you an update on the recent service disruptions. As far as I have seen, all of them have been connected to the um, database and there have been quite some outages. So that was not not so cool. And this blog post is quite transparent on that and also um, gives a glance forward with respect what are the next steps there. So I really highly appreciate the openness, but hopefully um, the next steps also um, will improve things a lot because that was not so great this month. Nevertheless, there are also a lot of new features that came out for GitHub. First of all, a changelog blog post that I've referenced within the show notes about GitHub issues, which gives you an overview um, what happened within the last month on um, GitHub issues. So what's new there? Uh, what, what options you have? I, I think I have covered them all in previous sessions, but nevertheless, it's always good to have a little bit of a wrap up there. And then um, on the same topic, um, there is a blog post um, from the product side of, of GitHub, from the product group, on how to start working on GitHub issues faster. So how to best um, implement the flow around GitHub issues with your, your overall development or bug fixing flow. Um, and this blog post kind of guides you through what's, what's the best practices there. Then... Um, <clears throat> some information about uh, GitHub Actions, um, some, some best practices around how to secure self-hosted runners. So if you're using self-hosted runners in order to execute your GitHub Actions, how to secure them with respect to um, setting limits that those self-hosted runners can only be accessed from specific workflows within your organization or enterprise. So that's, I think, quite quite useful. Um, and then there's also a new feature introduced for the GitHub Enterprise Server. So the, the on-prem version that um, came out last week or was made GA last week in version 3.4. And with this new release, there is now an improved um, capability there to cache your repository. You probably need that when you are using um, monorepos and have very heavy read traffic on those monorepos. And um, this read traffic also comes from distributed locations. Then this repository cache can help you. It gives you really a cache, which is eventually consistent. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. And the blog post that I've referenced there guides you um, through this feature and also um, gives you an information about the known issues around caching with the GitHub Enterprise Server 3.3 and 3.4. So the latest and the one um, before. And then another feature, small, but I think super useful, which was rolled out in beta this week is you can now follow organizations. So up to now you could follow uh, users, but now you can also follow organizations. Um, 
yeah, this announcement kind of tells you that that's possible and gives you some further information what you can do with that. With that, let's switch a bit to um, more generic news around Microsoft. And there is one source that I would like to highlight from the Microsoft documents that I think is super useful. And that's a checklist for architecting and building multi-tenant solutions on Azure. Of course, taking from a methodology point of view, the um, Azure Well Architecture Framework as a, as a baseline and the, the pillars that come along with that, um, with that methodology and gives you a very uh, short and crisp overview or, or checklist what you have to consider from a business perspective, uh, from uh, reliability, resilience, from a security point of view and cost optimization and ops. So that's that's really great. And of course, also performance efficiency. And uh, this checklist also contains a lot of further deep links um, that give you more information on uh, specific aspects like, like pricing or something like that. So I think super valuable and also could be a blueprint even if you're not explicitly working on Azure, maybe then some things are not one-to-one -one transferable, but it's always good to have something like a checklist if you build something like that. Um, and then um, another blog post by, um, by GitHub, nevertheless focusing not on nothing uh, super GitHub specific, but on security topics, on OWASP topics. So from, from the security part of the, of the blog posting area um, at GitHub on how to validate your, um, your input within your, your, your UIs and so on, um, and how to improve security with this input validation based on the OWASP proactive control. So um, also, I think, quite quite useful blog post on that topic. And then um, last but not least, one blog post uh, only available in German and not super new, but, but it crossed my path this week around Microsoft Viva, um, giving you some review some some summary of what happened at the last year with Microsoft Weaver. I think um, it was a bit quiet around that topic, <clears throat> or at least I, I didn't come across a lot of news, but I think this is a super powerful um, offering by itself, but also in combination with um, SAP. So this is, I would expect there much more uh, traffic around there with respect how to combine Microsoft Weaver with SAP like SuccessFactors or something like that. Um, and this, this blog post kind of guides you through what, yeah, what happened in the last year and how things are moving forward. With that, I would like to switch to um, the world in between SAP and Microsoft. And uh, let's start with a little Another review by um, Microsoft that came out this week about a rise with SAP. So picking up the story from the very beginning, um, of course, focusing on rise with, with SAP on the Microsoft cloud. So what happened in the last year, um, <clears throat> what success stories came out? And there is one sentence that is uh, put in bold, but I did not directly stumble across that at th in this blog post. And that's about Microsoft being the first public cloud provider that will adopt RISE with SAP for its internal transformation. So um, 
Microsoft will take rise with SAP. That that surprised me a bit. So there is also a blog post or a news um, from SAP in the SAP News Center about Microsoft selecting Riot with SAP to drive business innovation. So Microsoft will move over to um, Rise. That's kind of, I didn't expect that. And to be honest, I don't know what the, what the consequences will be with respect to, yeah, drink your own, own champagne um, with SAP on Azure. So I don't know if there are implications. I would think so. Um, I'm curious to see how, how things move forward there and how the experience will be of Microsoft when using Rise with SAP. With that, of course, um, as every week, there is... This news was also picked up, of course, by, by the SAP on Azure podcast by Barbara Buchelt. Um, And, of course, as every week, there is a new edition of that one. And this time focusing on customer solutions and the customer incubation team of Microsoft and how they help... Um, customers uh, in in going forward with um, Microsoft. Yeah, presenting all things around that and, and how that, that support works. Okay, then um, let's switch into the world of learning and announcements for events. Um, there is one thing that I would like to highlight around learning. And that's uh, by, by Golo Roden, who brought out a 120-minute video, so more than two hours even, around Kubernetes. So it's an, a complete two-hour introduction into Kubernetes, starting from the very beginning and going down the path as far as you can go within two hours. But it really gives you a great overview on, on that topic. So if you are new to Kubernetes and if you're speaking German, um, then definitely watch this one, put this on your watch list and, and walk through it because um, it's, it's great. Then um, three announcements around events that are upcoming. First things first, um, I already said that, that the community conference around the uh, cloud application programming model, so recap, will be um, happening again in 2022 as a hybrid event. And there is now a call for sessions or a call for papers, however you want to call that. So if you have a talk around your experience with CUP, um, yeah, move forward and uh, provide that to the team um, in order to, to have a great conference there. Um, what, what puzzled me a bit was that there is only one session type, which is a drive-by talk, which is a 20 minutes talk, but with, with heavily focusing on demo as, as all the, the talks within uh, um, recap are. But if there is only one session type, why do you have the option to choose it if you can only choose one? But maybe there are more session types coming up. I, I have no idea. I didn't see that um, in the tweet that announced that, but yeah. If you want to give a drive-by talk, you have the form linked within my show notes. And then there is um, one other um, event from Microsoft about um, modernizing and migrating with, with hybrid cloud. So how to modernize and um, bring forward your solutions, be it Java, be it .NET, whatsoever. Um, it's, I think, uh, 
three hour yeah it's or two hour um, session around those topics with a lot of well known um, folks like like Jeff Holland. I think quite quite interesting two well spent hours at the mid of April, and then um, last event that I would like to highlight this week is IstioCon. So if you're using Istio as your service mesh within um, Kubernetes, then there is the Istio conference happening at the end of April. And you can register now for um, that, that conference. And with that, um, last section for today, namely developer experience. And um, Jan de Dobler, um, who is the inventor, creator, maintainer of Oh My Posh, now also brought out a blog um, where he highlights the, the news <clears throat> um, around Oh My Posh, of course, um, which turned six years now. That's really uh, incredible. Um, and this is kind of the first blog post that will continuously highlight the news. Um, biggest news this week was that there is swag now available. So you can have shirts and stickers for that. And there are, of course, some um, technical updates around um, oh my posh that are highlighted within that blog post looking forward to to more to come in that area and with that i'm at the end of today's session i hope i had some news for you some useful stuff to catch up with and with that i wish you a nice saturday a great sunday and a very successful next week see you next saturday until then bye <laughs>